Good afternoon, and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So, let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Mark Olmstead. And I'm Lorianne Rising. And I am particularly excited about today's guest because she's written a book that I believe is one of the most important messages for the times that we're all living in today. Her book is a deep dive into the subject that's been nearest and dearest to my heart, especially since my first children's book won the International Best Indie Book Award and emphasize the importance of finding solutions to the struggles that parents and their kids are facing today. I met her in a class she was giving about the surprising reasons why some kids struggle and others thrive. And I am so grateful she agreed to be on our show today. Yes, Dr. Michelle Borba is an educational psychologist and former classroom teacher who's spoken to over a million parents and educators in 19 countries. She's recognized for her solution-based strategies on raising resilient kids, has appeared over 150 times on the Today Show, and featured in outlets including New York Times, Dr. Phil, Washington Post, Time, and Dateline. Her 24 books have been translated into 20 languages and include End Peer Cruelty, Build Empathy, Building Moral Intelligence, and Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All-About-Me World. Her latest book is Thrivers, The Surprising Reason Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. Welcome. Welcome, Michelle. Oh, you are my hero. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I've been looking forward to this for so long. Thank you, guys. Oh, my goodness. I just, we are so honored to have someone of your caliber and experience and dedication to this absolutely life critical subject uh, with us today. And, And I'm you know, I, I feel like I'm at a little bit of a loss, though, because you got to see her her class and <laughs> I haven't. And I know our listeners haven't either. So okay. I'm wondering. OK, I'll try to be quiet. <laughs> what got you into the work you're doing? Why are you so passionate about it? Oh, gosh. Let me count the ways. I started out as a special education teacher way back when. So my first thing always was, despite severe learning disabilities or emotional disabilities, some kids were struggling more and others were shining more. And uh, along the way, I had an amazing experience in a child development class at UC Davis that was describing the work of Emmy Werner. And most parents aren't aware of it. In fact, I rarely see a parenting book that even describes her work. And I think it's the most foremost incredible piece because it says we really do make a difference. What Mm. she did was study kids who were facing extreme adversity. I mean, war zones and poverty and homelessness and schizophrenic parents. And she studied the same cohort. If you can imagine studying a huge group of kids for 40 years, watching them Mm. from infancy grow up to adulthood. And despite it all, some of them were, were doing quite well, thank you. And now it was why. The key mm-hmm. question was why. What she found, that study, in fact, she continues to study the same kids, is that uh, there were two commonalities. Every one of them kid had an had a incredible caring champion, an adult. And if it wasn't the parent, almost always it was the teacher. But somebody who refused to give up on the kid, you first need a caring champion. And the second thing was, They'd learned what I now call protective buffers, skills, 
it's kind of skills. So when adversity came, which is guaranteed to come no matter where and who the kid is, uh, the kid didn't give up. That's to me is a striver. The kid instead became the thriver. I got this and kept on going. So what I then became passionate about is taking her work, by the way, there's four other huge studies like that, and saying, if this is so crucial, and it says we do make a difference, and it's not locked into DNA or temperament, and we can make a difference, then what are the skills that we could be teaching and weaving into our parents in our daily, Mm. daily lives? And that's what Thrivers came to be. I love hearing how important teachers are to our society, as well as just other adults in general. It's like any adult can be a mentor. That's in it. Some way. Uh, I've seen boys and girls club leaders could be a Girl Scout leader. It could be the coach. It's somebody who cares desperately about children. And maybe that's the first thing is make sure that the next outreach out there for our kids is that they know great aunt Sally is there for them or grandma or whoever because if it's a person who says, I refuse to give up on you and his modeling resilience themselves, mm-hmm. then it spills over and our children, that's the best way to teach any skill. Absolutely. And so, so that would that be essentially your definition of a thriver? A thriver to me is a kid who says, I got this. He's internally driven. Mm-hmm. He's got a sense of agency. He's not waiting for mom and dad to rescue him or bubble wrap him or go over the top and says, sweetie pie, I got this. It's the kid who has this. And the reason that they feel that way is they're given little experiences along the way from an early age. Doesn't mean they got it at age two, but they're reminded constantly. That's okay. Get up, start all over again. You've got this. And then the parent keeps instilling the crucial skills that research says are most highly correlated to helping kids thrive. And they do. Okay. Now skills. So, so like, like friends, I remember uh, needing to, when my bike broke, you know, my dad would say, okay, fix it, you know, <laughs> and if you want help, then okay, you're, you, you've got the opportunity, he'd help you show you how to do it the first time. But it really does make a huge difference when you can actually come around and the next time something breaks and you can tighten a spoke well, or you can yeah. do those kinds of things. Because what dad did was give you confidence that he thought, first of all, you can do it. Second of right. all, what would dad probably did is also sit down for a minute and say, what what seems to be the problem? Oh, here's this one little thing. Can you do it? If not, watch me. I'll show you how. Then he sat back a little bit and said, okay, now let's do it together until he stood back and said, now you got it. And so if we do that with every skill, I don't care if it's microwaving or making the bed, it's like, show it, do it together. Now watch to see if the kid can do it. You got it. I'm never doing it for you again because I know you can do it by yourself. Those are just everyday skills. But we also know that give confidence. But we do know that there's seven most highly correlated character strengths that are also made up of skills like problem solving and uh, a growth mindset and empathy to have social skills. Those are the most highly correlated. And that's what Thrivers is made up of the ones that help your kids thrive. Okay. So how, how did you come up with those seven? Where did that come out of? Well, the first thing was once I knew that these kinds of studies exist, Mm-hmm. I actually got a bunch of post-it notes from all the <laughs> studies out and then started just covering my desk of, of what each study said. Here's the main commonalities. Here's what we discovered in this study. So I kept putting them down and you know, putting them, making them linear as to what are the commonalities of that study, that study, and that study till the point where I kept narrowing and narrowing and narrowing until, hey, 
These are the most common ones that seem that keep coming up over and over again. But my next thing is each one of them had to be teachable. It wasn't set into DNA. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we can also go and it's easy. It's not in a program. You don't have to buy anything. And it doesn't going to take the, peer, the parent a PhD in order to teach it. They're simple, everyday things we can do. And if we keep doing it, it's not a one-time lesson, by the way. But if we keep doing this from, from you know, toddler to, to teen and thereupon, what we have is the skill set that are the protective buffers that make the difference. Okay. Obviously, having this, I, I would see your book as, as kind of a blueprint then basically for this, this picture. What about the actual day-to-day -day tools that can support uh, a, a parent in in that process? Have you found, or, or are you <laughs> are you collecting? Zoom? No, that's what the book is. Is the that book, that's okay. exact, No, no. What the book is is that it's the seven strengths. Each chapter is one strength. Each chapter then starts with a story where I visited a classroom or a school or a parent of them actually doing it, and then here's the science based of it, and then the remainder of the chapter is age by age by age by age how you can teach those skills. So a parent can go, oh I got gosh. a three-year-old, what I do? I've, I've got a teen, what do I do? And that's how it's lined up. So that it's age oh. by age, practical and simple, because it, uh, I, my goal was to create a blueprint. So you've oh, written awesome. basically a modern day parenting manual, because that's the thing that's oh, like, you know, kids you. don't come with manuals, yeah. right? <laughs> so yeah. You know, that's funny. I just did a Dr. Phil, one hour on Dr. Phil, and that's exactly what he said. He said, this is the only manual you will now need for today's modern day parenting. This is it. And I went, oh my gosh, I can quit now. There you <laughs> go. Absolutely amazing. But that, that was my hope and dream. It took quite a while. But the most interesting thing that I did is, yes, I was interviewing the researchers. And yes, I had all the science in front of me. And yes, I, I created, here's the ideas. But the bottom line at the end, that was my whoa moment, was I ended, then interviewed 100 teens, one-on-one -on -one for an hour each who confirmed this stuff mattered. And they said, this is exactly what we need. So it was like, ask a kid and they'll go, nope, or yep, or yes, this is exactly what we need. And that was my, okay, now we've got it. Okay, so what That's were some cool. of those questions you were asking the teens by chance? To, yeah, how do you draw well, a teenager then, out? That's yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, the interesting thing is I've never had a problem with it. Once a kid knows that I want to listen to them, I'm not judging them, and I want to hear their ideas, you can't, I can't, you, they're unstoppable. I mean, mm -hmm. an hour each, one-on-one -on -one with each of these kids. My first question was to come up with, I understand you're the most stressed out generation known to man. And there wasn't a kid who didn't refute that. Yeah, we are. But why are you? What's causing it? What would help you reduce the stress? That was enormously helpful. And the bottom line to that one is we need to learn coping skills. We've been feeling right now that we're being raised to be products and test scores. We're missing the stuff on how to be human beings. Somebody needs to start applauding us and telling us uh, or letting us stop. Oh, every kid said stop bubble wrapping us and tell the parents to stop stepping back because helicoptering does not help. But there was everything that the expert said. But here's the teen saying it. So that was just wow. golden. Uh, and then they came up with fabulous ideas that once I came up with the with the activities, they were confirming, yeah, that's what we need. Or here's how to reframe it a little bit. So it, it will be a buy in for a kid. So yeah. it was really go the it was the gold standard for here's what the kids said they gave it the you know the good he's the good housekeeping seal of approval 
So now it was like, okay, parents, this is what your kids say will work. Try it. Oh, oh my goodness. So in all those wow. conversations, I mean, you came at it from basically every angle, which is so cool. Not and your I'm, first book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious what kinds of myths did you wind up sort of breaking down and, you know, those myth bubbles. Oh, thank and you popping. for that. Uh, the biggest myth was uh, on resilience. And I think when I speak to almost nightly, it's a Zoom call with some kind of a school district or something. And my first thing to a parent is saying, here's what resilience is, but it is something you can teach. That's the, whoa, most of their, their you know, mouths drop. It is not going to be correlated to your kid's GPA. It's going to be something that's going to be different, but the skills you teach to enhance it will also enhance them as a peak performer in a classroom. So the buy-in was, these are the same seven strengths that will help you in the classroom as well as in life. Uh, and, the, and the next one is, it's not too late. They were always relieved on that because I've got a mm. team. Now what do I do? It's not too late because it's not too late for adults. We can still work on this. Uh, the third thing was, it's not temperament. It's not, yeah, one kid may, may be a little more easy deasy, but it doesn't mean that he's going to be the most resilient one. It's really locked into the skills you teach. So maybe it's, it's the first thing we do is take a moment to go through what are the seven strengths, and then maybe one by one, we can start looking at here's simple things you can weave in your, in your home to be able to tune them up. Nice. Well, we're, we're, we're obviously well, going to have to get into those. those yeah, those, I would those, love uh, to. I, and and I, you've I, mentioned my... re resilience a couple of times. I'm curious how your definition, you know, what is your definition and how is that different maybe than some others? Uh, a res no, a resilient child is a, is a child who's a thriver. They've got this, I got it kind of an attitude when push comes to shove and they hit the adversity, they don't quit. They don't give up. They usually rebound from the situation and they face the challenge meaning I'll figure a way around it and through it. And as a result, their confidence goes up. They, they keep on moving for it. And the other thing that happens is not only does their confidence go up, their stress goes down because they realize that there's a lot of little challenges along the way that they can face. But uh, that's a slow process and slowly they build up that level. So how can a parent who maybe isn't familiar with any of this might be struggling a little bit, maybe they're not a natural teacher themselves, how do they figure out how to teach their child if they don't know what they don't know and don't know how to get started? Honestly, you flip to it. The first thing you do as a parent for any of this is not reading any of the activities. The first thing is to take it a moment and push the pause button on and say, how do I want my kid to turn out? Is today different for my children's childhood than when I was growing up? And I think it's a rare parent that's going to say, no, I think it's a very uncertain world. If not a pandemic, uh, it's, we now have active shooting drills going on in our classrooms, in our schools. Uh, mm -hmm. The nature of the hurricanes and the earthquakes to the fire evacuation zones, it's very uncertain. So just helping your child, I think the first thing is we've put so much emphasis on the cognitive hype of thinking if we just keep helping our kid get the GPAs and the test scores, all will be well. Mm. And unfortunately, we now know it's not just that that's going to help. Okay, they get to college, but the number one time they're most likely to drop out is end of freshman year, first semester of college. They mm. get there, says the college professors, Ivy League, and say they don't have the skill set to be able to remain. They don't know how to cope. We're running out of counselors to be able to help them. Uh, th that was my other aha. When I was writing this, I was doing a keynote to 2,500 mental health counselors 
in the best of the best schools in the in the country. And they said there's a different breed. Their GPAs of about 4.0s or 7.3s. They're very smart. They're very loved. They have had extreme opportunities. But once they get here, they're having struggle coping. You know, the other thing prior to the pandemic that was the new trend that they were very concerned about is many of the kids didn't want roommates because they didn't have the social skills in order to get along. So you're looking at a different kind of trend of a kid that I have each chapter in in Thrivers is like, there's a difference here. Back to what do you do? You become intentional and say, I got to do this. Mm -hmm. Second of all, there is actually a core asset survey that at the very beginning is going to help you figure out of the seven strengths, which are your children's strengths so that you begin to recognize here's what they are just so you see what the index is. The first one is confidence. This child is ability to think who I am, not what I want, not what mommy or daddy wants to me. They have a strong sense of understanding of themselves. They have an awareness of their strengths. And along the way, they're going to focus on that. It doesn't mean you're going to stop helping them learn the math because they're struggling. But we do know that you're more likely to be a happier camper if you follow your strengths. They also have hobbies. One of the things we've discovered about kids who are thrivers, says Emmy Warner, way back when, when push comes to shove, they go to the knitting or they go to the book or they go to the woodworking. I ask middle school kids, what are your hobbies? And they look at me, what the heck's a hobby? Who's got time for a hobby? So simple, ordinary things can make a difference. The second one is we can get into each one later, but let's just look at the bird's eye, what all of the work says. The second one is a social competence or empathy. That would be chapter two. These kids think we, not me. It doesn't mean they have 50,000 friends, but they have social skills so they can, can at least relate to another kid. And those other kids we do know, or the other adult is going to help them through the tough times. So that's going to be core and critical. The third one is self-control. Every parent would go, that's what our kids need right now. Well, because if you don't have a coping strategy, anything that works, your stress is going to build, 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 build until now we have one in five American kids prior to the pandemic was going to suffer from a mental health disorder. That's what the CDC was telling us. And mm. a lot of the reasons why is they didn't have a coping strategy. Now comes the pandemic. We're now looking at a rise in anxiety that's unprecedented. We are now, watch out, hold on to your hats, folks, because even because Anthony Fauci says the next wave of the pandemic is going to be a youth mental health crisis. That's wow. coming. So then comes integrity. The kid has a strong moral compass. It's your values, parent, planted inside this kid. Why does that have to do with thriving? Because there's mental adversities. And when peer pressure sets in or this kid is up against, should I or shouldn't I? He doesn't have to waver and waver. He goes, I got this because I know what I stand for. So that's going to matter. Then comes curiosity. I love this one. Thrivers are out-of-the-box thinkers. They're not Albert Einsteins, but they're like open to possibilities. So when the little challenge comes, he goes, I can figure out a way. They're problem solvers. They figure out a way around it or through it. And that's glorious because it just means we need to help our kids go, what else could you do, sweetie pie? When they come home crying, thanks for telling me, but don't solve it for them. Let's brainstorm. What's one more thing you could have done differently? And when you keep doing that, pretty soon the kid goes, okay, I got it. Uh, perseverance is, is uh, number six. That's a kid who's got the grit and is going to keep on going, but not because he thinks he's immensely talented, but he realizes he's got a, he's got this thing called a growth mindset that the more effort I put into it, the more I practice it, the better I'll get. That's amazing. 
One of the most highly correlated traits of success is just that growth mindset that we can instill in our kids. And the last one is hope and optimism. It's finding a silver lining that I, I don't care what it is, I, despite how bad the things are, and he does have a reality base. He knows this has been a tough year. But he goes, okay, here's what I'm going to think about instead. So pessimism doesn't become permanent. It's just temporary. Because once pessimism becomes permanent and pervasive, depression sets in. And the kid says, there goes my hope. Mm -hmm. So there's the seven. You can teach them at any age. You don't need all seven. But the more you have, they create what's called a multiplier effect. That was my real aha moment when every parent kept going, which one is more important? Doesn't matter. Find out which one your kid has right now and keep stretching it. But then find one more to add to it. And if you put, for instance, self-control plus empathy, imagine that. It multiplies mm. the impact. Now you got a little change maker. you got curiosity plus perseverance. The kid's not going to quit. He's got to keep on going. So that's the multiplier effect of them all. And the best thing is it's never too late. Oh, my um, goodness. That is such <clears throat> good news to hear. All man. Right. And, and what a perfect segment. Absolutely. For, for, uh, for our our break that we get to take and the song that we get to come back with afterwards. So, uh, yes. so uh, but before we take a break though, remember your voice matters. Just like Michelle's talking about here, we all matter. Oh my goodness. This is such an awesome connection. Um, please take a moment and rate and review this show on your favorite listening platform and feel free to email us as well. We value and so appreciate the feedback because it helps us continue to provide more of what you love. And our email address is a really awesome one. It's share the love at rise and shine as one.com. That's share the love, just like it sounds, at rise and shine as the number one.com. And after the break, we're going to be enjoying a song Mark wrote for a children's musical and is now the theme song for his book. The Adventures of the True Sunbeam. It's sure to uplift your heart and brighten your day. So stay tuned for Star Child, as well as more insights from Michelle right after this. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book award-winning kids' book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com. Shine, shine, star, star, 
Welcome back. You're listening to Rise and Shine. And that was one of Mark's original songs called Star Child. You can download it as a single or enjoy the entire album of the same name on his website at www.markolmstead.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-L-M-S-T-E-A-D.com. We are here. With my hero, heroine. Is it heroine? It's heroine, actually. It would be heroine, yes. Dr. Michelle Borba. Uh, And we're just talking about the seven strengths kids need to thrive. And now we would like to know maybe a couple of examples of those seven strengths that we just went through, if that would be... I'm sure Absolutely. right up your alley. And, uh, yeah, and so- there's so many simple things and ways to do it. I think the first thing, parents, is don't try to get overwhelmed doing too much or your kid will never let you read another book again. So find a couple <laughs> of simple little things that work for your family for the age of your kids. And here's the first thing. I'm going to give you maybe a couple ideas for each of those seven strengths. Each chapter in Thrivers has dozens of them. Choose one that works for you and then commit to doing it like a minute a day for 21 days. You'll get the habit and you can add to the next one. It all starts with confidence. So the first thing is maybe this month, take an index card and walk around quietly and watch your kids a little closer without them knowing you're watching. Because what you're really trying to do is figure out who they are, not what you want them to be. What gets them the joy? What do they spend a little bit more time and energy on? What do they get a little more eager towards? When did, what is the time when they say, mom, I can't have that chocolate cake because I got to finish this. And they love that woodworking. Is there something that when they really get stressed, they go to it? What we do know is that thrivers usually have hobbies. So first thing to first is figure out who your child is. And then start realizing that that's who he is and that's what I need to start giving a little more joy. That's the club I, if he's into cello, that's the extra club he needs to do. Not everything, but find their strength because the research says we actually spend more time focusing on other weaknesses and not their strengths. Oh, Second thing boy. is, Wouldn't know if anything he about. doesn't <laughs> have a hobby, how cool to have family hobby days. And what you could do is just start introducing them as a family. doesn't mean every kid's going to love them, but maybe it's uh, this week, great aunt Sally can zoom in from Minnesota and say, here's how you knit and see if any of your kids are enjoying it. Use your family members. Maybe grandma can teach baking or dad can say, here's how you do woodworking or ask each kid. What's the one thing that you've liked wanted to always learn to do. Don't assume that every child knows, but we do know that when push comes to shove, and you teach a hobby, almost always the rest of your child's days, he's going to use that hobby when he's 40, 50, and 60, and 70 to decompress. How simple and easy that is. What you're actually doing is helping your child develop and understand who he is. Confidence is number one. And what a healthy coping skill. I mean, that's so if we don't give them something, they're far more likely to find an unhealthy version. Exactly. And that's what what a wonderful doing right now is they're all going on to digital driven stuff and that's becoming their addiction. And it doesn't help them to find a healthy hobby. As well as the family bonding thing, when you're talking about learning something directly from a family member, I just love that. So, okay. Number two is social competence. It's empathy. And that's kids who have we, not me, and that helps them develop social competence. Now, there's a couple of things that parents will go that I I know from talking to parents, the anxiety rates of children is sky high right now because they've been doing distance learning and they haven't been with their friends and their peers. Empathy needs to be exercised. But we do know something. Here's a little clue. There's three things that well-liked kids do 
that you can practice right now. And it doesn't mean they're going to have 50,000 friends because that isn't what this is all about. It means they're going to find one little buddy. So when you're going to the grocery store or you're walking outside or you're just doing hikes, start waving and saying hello to people. Because the more they just practice saying hello, I mean, they may not be able to with a mask, but that's okay. You can say hello by waving and you can still speak it and say hello. It's the first entry of how you make a new friend anyway. Hi, my name is. Second thing is teach your kids to look up, not down. The more they text, the more they look down and their kids, teens tell me they're less comfortable looking up and looking at the color of the talker's eyes. You want an assertive kid who's going to be taken more seriously? You don't look down and say it. You look up. So maybe make a rule in your house. Always look at the color of the talker's eyes. Who's talking? Or if you're really shy, just look at the bridge right between the, the two eyes of their nose. They'll still look up. And the third thing is help your kid be an encourager. When you're playing shoots and ladders or when you're playing basketball or when you're playing chess as a family, hey, part of the rule is you got to say thumbs up or the good job or high five at least once because that's the other trait that well-liked kids do. The other thing that, that empathetic children do do, now that's just going to be the entryway into it, is that empathy means you're feeling with another person. You can't feel with a person unless you can identify feelings. And it's tough when you're just looking at a flat screen. So talk feelings more naturally as a family. Just when you're watching Inside Out as a movie, that's a fabulous movie to watch. Mm, yes. Oh, love or, that you're, movie. or you're reading a hair when Sally gets mad, really, really mad. Make your face look like Sally. Anytime you're reading a book or you're just talking or, hey, time to FaceTime with grandma. Don't text her. FaceTime or Skype. And then watch her face or listen to her voice and you'll know it's time to say goodbye because she looks tired. You're actually priming your child to learn feelings. Oh Empathy my goodness. starts slowly. And those are just simple ways you can do it. Strength nice. number three, self-control. Oh, absolutely crucial. And the, the key on this one is we don't, we're not stressed all the time. It's not 24 hours. So watch your kid to figure out when are they most stressed. That's your first key. And you'll discover some really hidden little traits of what helps your kid. First of all, maybe it's always three o'clock. What's happening at three o'clock? Maybe that's because the kid didn't get the nap. Or maybe it's four o'clock because he's not getting the extra little energy booster. So first of all, figure out when he's most stressed. Second of all, figure out what his signs are. Some kids, if you watch closely, they do the same thing every single time. Some kids, they, they make their hands go into fists. Other little kids move their feet back and forth. Other kids start to grind their teeth. Not that everybody watch out for Johnny, he's going to blow. But have you noticed that right when you start to get stressed, you grind your teeth, your hands go in a fist? That's a gold mine because now you can say, start listening to your body signs. They're warning you when you need to start helping yourself learn to cope. Now what you can do is tell your, teach your kids some coping strategies. And the easiest one is a deep, slow breath. Navy mm -hmm. SEALs taught it to me. And it's fascinating. They said it's the fastest way to get relaxation into your brain. You take a slow, deep breath like you're smelling a flower, but make it slow like you're riding up an elevator all the way from your tummy down up to your brain, to your top. Now you're going to slowly let it out like you're blowing out a candle. But make sure the exhale is twice as long as the inhale. You get mm -hmm. the fastest relaxation process known to man. They're retraining Navy SEALs to use that strategy. 
So you've got to practice that over and over again. That's one technique. Thrivers is going to have dozens of them, but find what works for you. And that's self-control. Fantastic. Okay. Strength number four, integrity. Integrity is your values planted inside your kid. So right this moment, or as soon as this, this podcast is over, pick up a pencil and a paper and say, what are the one or two values that you hope are your child learns from being with you? You've got to be intentional about this. 400 have been identified. You've got no time to teach 400. But is it honesty or is it kindness or respect or responsibility? What matters most? Maybe your spouse has a different one. That's okay. Maybe great aunt Sally can get involved in it or grandma can now be involved in it. The first thing is be intentional. And then the second thing is use three E's. Number one, be the example of it. If your kid had only your behavior to watch every night, what would he be catching? If you want him to be kind, are you exemplifying kindness? The second E is expect it. Once you know that kindness matters in my house and your kid isn't kind that day, hey, stop. That wasn't being kind. What do we expect you to do in this house? Be kind. Okay, then what are you going to do differently next time? And then third is given experiences so he can learn to be kind. Like, let's go give some overcoats to the homeless people or let's bake extra cookies for the neighbor next door because she's been so lonely. Once your child starts doing that and seeing the reaction of the person, he begins to get a caring mindset and is more likely to do it. You can also come up with a family mantra in your house. We're the, we're the caring duns or we're the, we're the honest um, Johnsons. And if you keep saying it over and over again, I asked one kid, uh, every teacher says that you are the most honest kid known to man. How'd you become that way? And she laughed and she said, oh, in my family, that's our mantra. We're the honest duns. I said, well, how'd you get it? She says, it's impossible not to. My mother must have says it 50 times a day. Remember, we're the honest duns. She drops us off at school. Remember, we're the honest duns when we do something wrong. Was that an honest dun thing to do? They say it so much, we became it. There you go. Nice. Power of repetition. That's, that's, that's my perfect. whole philosophy around music and the importance of having what you want in the music that you're listening to. Exactly. That's, that's been my focus of making a difference, one song and one story at a time from the from the get-go. So thank you you're so much, welcome. Michelle. You're welcome. So simple. Okay. Habit number five, curiosity. Curiosity. Thrivers are open-ended thinkers. They are out-of-the-box little thinkers. They don't get doomed when the mistake comes up. Instead, they go, what am I going to do differently next time? And that means that you're not helicoptering them. You're not rescuing them. And your new strategy, day one, is never do for your kid what your kid can do for yourself. That's your new philosophy. When he comes running in, you sit him down and you say, what's the problem? Identify it. You can even come up with a pocket problem solver, which is your hand for little kids. Thumb is name the problem. Now start brainstorming, storm your brain and get the ideas going. What one more thing you could have done differently. So pointer, middleman and ringman are three things you could have done differently. And, and the little guy pinky is what's the one thing you're going to do next time. Don't do that with a teen. He'll never let you do it again. But with your older, do family <laughs> meetings. Family meetings is what's the problem. Let's brainstorm. What can you do differently? But you've got to start helping your kid storm his brain and realize there's no problem so great that can't be solved. Because when that adversity comes, you're not going to be there, nor should you be there to rescue him. He's got to be able to face the challenge on his own because thrivers have agency. 
Mm. Yeah, that was something I did a lot with my kids was helping them solve their own stuff and figure things out. And there were days my, you know, they would ask me, it's like, well, but why do we have to do it ourselves? I'm like, because eventually my job is to make sure you're on your own and not living with me at some point. Oh, bravo, bravo, bravo. And how much easier it would have been for you to solve it because it's a lot faster, right? It probably so would have saved my sanity too at times. Oh, it, but. oh hours, hours. So it's like you got to sip and mowing. Resilience building, helping your kid become a thriver is in everyday little experiences. It's yeah. not at six o'clock. We're all going to become thrivers now. So here's the lesson of the day. It's using the little moments that come up and weaving them in. Mm. Exactly. So, exactly. so how how important is it to get this? Okay, let's get through these first, then I'll 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 diversify here. Okay, number six, we're up to perseverance. Perseverance means it's a kid who keeps on going, and what we do know is that persevering children, first of all, realize that a mistake is okay to do in your house. You've got to allow failures. I, what, the, over and over again, every teen told me that they were so worried about disappointing their parents. Ivy League teachers said the kids are not deep thinkers anymore. They're so worried about saying something that's going to go across the grain or reduce the grade. Oh, my gosh, that's just a travesty because you want your kid to be a deep thinker. You want them not to just go with what everybody is saying. You want them to delve in. So the first thing is mistakes are okay. It's what I'm looking for in in our houses. So what are you going to do differently next time? What did you learn from it? Mistakes are opportunities. What a great way to reframe it. That's your first step. You read Fortunately by Remy Charlotte when they're little. I love Fortunately. Ned has a problem because, oh, the fortunate is he gets invited to, to a really special birthday party. But unfortunately, the party is in New York and he's in Florida. Every page turns a fortunate into an unfortunate, into a fortunate. That's a perfect book to read to a little kid called Fortunately. Get it from Amazon and start reading it. As you get older, what's your stumbler? What's the one little thing that's getting in your way? You're not, I know you look overwhelmed. I know it, but don't look at the whole math problem. It's not the whole page that's bothering you. What's the one thing that's, well, let's look at the one thing and let's figure out how to solve that. A good coach never says, quit, give up. You didn't do the, you didn't kick right. Instead, they say, let's look at the video and let's find the one thing you're doing wrong and let's practice how to make it right. So, oh, your foot's wrong. If you put your foot this way, you're going to be able to get the goal. Well, we can do the same thing with our kids. Don't get so overwhelmed with the whole thing. Find your stumbler and then realize that real successful people never get to the end tomorrow. They have a, a growth mindset that realizes the more I put into the practice, the more effort I put in, the more I'll be more likely to succeed. That's the whole end product. That's what perseverance is. In fact, China just came up with a fascinating new study of which kids are more likely to endure from the pandemic after a year. It's kids with growth mindset. I got this. It'll take a while, but that's okay. We'll keep going. And growth mindsets are instilled. By the way, parent, stop emphasizing the end product, what you get. Did you get a hundred percent instead emphasize the, I know you're not there yet, but if you keep working on it, you'll improve yesterday. You were here today. You're here. What happens is the kid begins to realize it's me. I'm the controller. I just need to work a little harder in order to get to the end product. Oh, fantastic. I came across something a while back. It was a woman talking about her dad teaching her to just fail faster. If you want to get to success, oh, fail faster concept. and just keep going. All right. So I number, love that. S- number, number seven. Number seven. 
Hope and optimism. That's the thing I think we're all needing after a year of doom and gloom. So I think the first thing is we got to start empathizing with our children because every one of these traits is teachable. So, and we do know that some kids are a little more negative than others. And we do know that everybody's going to have a negative day. But what we're talking about here is watch out when pessimism becomes so pervasive that it robs the kid of hope. And the first thing we now know is that you can help your kid become worry catchers. You can listen mm-hmm. to your, your kind of dialogue you use inside your head. And they actually came up with an idea for younger kids to even come up with a nickname. That's my negative Nelly, or that's my bad talk, or that's my negatives. So he catches it. That's the first step. Your thoughts become your behavior. Your thoughts become your behavior. What we do is we think the behavior is first. No, your kid, that's the way. So the first step is you can catch your kid saying that. The second thing is you can actually come up with a mantra in your house. And if you keep saying as a parent over and over and over again, like we got this, we're the, we're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. I, it's hard at the beginning, but it'll get easier at the end. Not all of those, but come up with one mantra. And maybe you keep saying it as yourself, as a mom, pretty soon your voice becomes your child's inner voice and he'll start saying it himself. Uh, another idea. See, I, there's lots of ideas and, and Thrivers is going to give you dozens of strategies. But the other one is watch the news and turn it off. Because if you oh. keep doing that negative news, what happens is instead look for the back of the page of the newspaper. Find great stories about inspiring kids that are making a difference. Paste them on index cards and talk about those around the dinner hour of the good news reports. And what you'll have is kids starting to catch the good stuff. You know, one of the mm-hmm. things I, I did with my kids for a while was sit down in the evenings and write something they were grateful for and stick them in a jar so that anytime they were having a bad day, they could go to the jar and pull something out and remember something that made them smile. That is absolutely perfect because gratitude is one of the traits of optimism. Or you pick up your copy of the True Sunbeam and you look at the Shining Moments pages in the <laughs> back where you've practice. been keeping track of your positive best practice. moment of the day. That's exactly. That's, it makes no difference what you do, but make it into a routine and a ritual, just like your jar. That's a yep. ritual. And yep. you keep doing it over and over again until pretty soon the kid doesn't need the jar. At an early age activity and starting as early as possible. We are at the end of our time and I want to make sure listeners know how to find you, connect with you, pick up your book and use it as a resource. So how can they do that? It's real easy. My website is Michelle Borba. I'm a one L Michelle and Borba rhymes with Zorba. So Michelle Borba, by the way, there's dozens of things on that website. You can contact me, but you can also do there's free book club read alouds to start reading as a group of moms together or dads. There's a teacher book club guide. Um, Amazon has the book. Uh, it's actually on a 40% discount right now as a hardback. It's also an audio. It's also in on a Kindle form. So you can use it digitally. There's lots of strategies there. There's also a little videos in my, on my website of, you know, one minute video on each of the seven traits so that you can look at them a little bit more in depth. I, I'm really just trying to start a conversation that this is doable. It's easy. And we got to rethink on how we're parenting. So we raise up a group of kids who can make it without us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking so of conversation, Listeners can email us with questions for you because we're going to be having you back. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been amazing. So email us your questions at sharethelove 
at rise and shine as one.com. And that's with the numeral one.com. And we're going to have Michelle's website in the description and available and stuff too. So that's nice and easy, but send us your questions for her and we're going to have her back to answer those. And thank you so much, Michelle, for this. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to next time. Thank you. Now it's time for our wow moment with Lorianne when she offers words of wisdom, sharing her intuitive and spiritual mentorship with us by responding to listener comments and questions. Wow, isn't Michelle amazing? She has got so many tips and so much information. I know we just barely scratched the surface. So I hope you'll check out her book and learn more about her. But I do have one question for you. Heart to heart, what are the choices you're making that are taking you closer to or further away from the life that you envision for yourself and your family? We're all human. We all have those places we allow ourselves to slide or there's been influences in our lives that have kind of nudged us in a direction. And well, we just have to recognize sometimes that we're a little off course here. I know in our lives, it's really the the cookies after dinner that add up after a while. And I learned recently that yet another family member has diabetes. And so for me, I'm really taking a hard look at how often I'm having dessert and other kinds of things that can lead my own health down a negative path. And so I'm asking myself, okay, is this choice going to take me further away or closer to the life I truly want to live? Well, those cookies in the evenings are clearly going to take me away from it. So each time they're in front of me, I ask myself that question and it gives me the just that little bit of willpower to say no. And I'm applying it to other areas of my life as well, whether it's a new project at work or, you know, who I choose to spend time with, or how am I interacting with somebody? Every aspect of life is a choice at some level. And every one of those choices can take us closer to or further away from who we choose to be and the life that we're craving. So I hope that if there is a way in which you can bring your life into greater alignment, that you're taking those steps. And I know it's not always easy, but it really is those little things day in and day out. So if we start with the little things, like maybe it is dessert or the choice to eat a little bit more salad than usual instead of a burger, or maybe it's choosing to go for a walk in the evening instead of sitting down that extra half an hour. Do the simple things first, because it builds up the willpower, it builds up the strength, and moves you closer. And I think too, it'll really support you in taking advantage of some of these tips that Michelle has shared, because these are things that will take you closer too. So ask yourself, as often as you think of it, is this choice taking me closer to or further away from who I choose to be and the life I want to create? And until next time, my friends, Keep rising. Thank you, Lorianne, for sharing your wow with us. 
If you have a question, comment, or concern you'd like to hear addressed on a future WOW moment, or you'd like to learn more about Lorianne's mentorship program, visit her website at lorianrising.com. That's L-O-R-I-A-N-N-E-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. Thank you. And to our listeners, remember that Mark and I are on a mission to help make the world a better place and to uplift voices that are not typically heard. So if you or someone you know is an author, a musician, innovator, or even a comedian whose perspective and message challenges old paradigms to open hearts and minds, please reach out. We want to support you by helping you be seen and heard by a worldwide audience. Just visit us at riseandshineasone.com to apply to be a guest. And before you go, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your favorite platform. And remember, until next time, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise and shine. Take care. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. Sound of the joy, sound of the love, sound of the light.